This morning, I'd like to focus your attention back to the church of Christ. We've been studying about the church of Christ for at least three weeks now. This will be the fourth. And in the study of those lessons, we have focused on various aspects of the church. I want to begin by asking you some questions, and I want you to ponder them in your mind as we begin to try to understand what the Bible teaches. How important is the church? How important is it to you? How important is it to the Lord? Is the church essential from the perspective of Scripture? The question is, do we have to be a part of the Lord's church in order to be pleasing to Him? Do you have to be a member of the kingdom in order to go to heaven? I want you to think about those questions. Now, the reason for my asking some of these questions relates to preparation. In trying to prepare for this lesson, not only have I tried to consider what Scripture says, which is always the basis of the right answers, but I've tried to gather perspective on what people are thinking. And one thing the Internet, and particularly Facebook, has done is it's given an avenue for people who otherwise many times would not say what's on their mind to really give full vent to their feelings. And I've read over the past at least two to three weeks the impressions of a number of people with regards to the church. And one of the things that is brought up in many of those is the fact that there are hypocrites in the church. And there are churches sometimes where bad attitudes exist. And there are sometimes churches with mean people in them. And some people have come to the conclusion, give me Christ, but not the church. Or here's the way they will express it. The church doesn't save you, Jesus does. Or you can be just as good a Christian out of the church as you can in it. Those are both quotes. That may be the perspective that some of you might hold even sitting here today. Even though we've gathered together to worship God, even though we've gathered together as a church I ask you, is the church essential? Do you have to be a part of it? Now we have discussed, as we've studied these lessons, that we've talked about the church determined, God's plan for it, particularly as revealed through the prophets of the Old Testament. We talked about the church described as Jesus described it in Matthew 13 in the parables of the kingdom as Paul described the church in the book of Ephesians. And now we want to talk about the church declared. 
What does the scripture say about the church? And is it essential? Let's not just simply take our own opinions. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at the church declared by John and Jesus. And you'll see why in just a moment. We're looking at them separately. Then I want to look at the church declared by the apostles and the evangelist in the New Testament. And then I want to talk about some demands of discipleship. Let's begin our lesson, and I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, to chapter 16, and we're going to begin with verse 16. Luke 16, verse 16. As you and I study through our Bibles, we recognize that there are some time indicators. For instance, the Bible will talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, particularly the book of Hebrews. Or Jeremiah chapter 31 will talk about the beginning of a new covenant. I want you to listen carefully to verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. I want you to notice there's time in this verse. There's a key indicator. And what you find is the prophets were up until John. There were prophets sent to talk about the coming of the kingdom. But when you get to John, there is a difference because everything up to John is talking about the kingdom at some point in the future. That was our very first lesson. However, when you get to John, there is a change in that. I want you to go with me now to Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and we will look at the preaching of John and how it was distinctive from that of those previous prophets. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, when I read prophets like Daniel and Daniel 2, He's talking about in the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. But when I get to John, John says the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. It's going to happen soon. It's going to be in this generation. When I go to Matthew 4 verse 17, probably just one page forward in your Bible, you will read from that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What John preached and what Jesus preached was exactly the same sermon. The kingdom is near. It's going to come during the days of your lives. I don't have it on the screen, but I will tell you, Mark 9 and verse 1, Jesus said, some of you standing here will not taste of death till you shall see the kingdom of God present or come with power. 
But when I go on and I read in verse 23 of this same context, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, I want you to focus with me in your minds what's going on. John is in the wilderness of Judea. John is preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is in Galilee, in and around that great sea there, and he was preaching in the synagogues, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But now if you go fast forward to Matthew 9 and verse 35, beyond the borders of Galilee, then went Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I want you to see, if you will, this growth. The growth of the preaching was to many people in many places, but it was the same message, the gospel of the kingdom. But it wasn't just John, and it wasn't just Jesus. Jesus also sent others out to preach that same message. Luke 9, verse 2, He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus sent people to preach the kingdom. What are you going to preach? I want you to preach about the coming kingdom. And yet, as you read through the whole Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John account of the gospel, It's still something in the future. Jesus had gone into the area far north of the Sea of Galilee to an area known as Caesarea Philippi. It's in the very northern part of the settlement of the children of Israel, right next to the settlement of the people of Dan. And while the Lord is there, he asked the question, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then the apostles began to discuss with Jesus all of the various perspectives that had been offered. Well, maybe you're John the Baptist. Maybe you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Jesus' follow-up statement was, or question to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter stands forth and says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to Peter was, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. And then we pick up in verse 18, And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice it's in the future. It's something that Jesus will build. When I study Jesus and John, they are preaching the kingdom is yet in the future. Mark 1, 14, the kingdom of heaven is to be at hand and repent and believe in the gospel. But now as I continue to study more about the church declared by Jesus, 
I understand that its nature is different than normal kingdoms. You know, for instance, today we have the various kingdoms. You have the United Kingdom of Great Britain. You have the kingdom of the United States, whether we want to call it a kingdom because we don't have a king, but we do have a leader. And you have various other nations, and you can go to a location where those people are and say, that's those people. But I want you to notice some unique features about what Jesus preaches about the kingdom. And the first one was, it was in people. This is a passage you need to have marked in your Bible in Luke chapter 17 and verse 21. Very valuable passage for those of us who are in the Lord's church. Jesus said, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. You see, in most terms, people think of the kingdom of God as being a place to where you would go and you could say, see, there they are. It's almost as if someone would say, well, see, there's the church at Mighty Branch. They're at 1165 Old Smithville Road here in McMinnville, and that's the church. But most often people are thinking about a physical building or a physical place. But Jesus said that's not the way you look at it. The kingdom of God is in you. What if you take all of us to the south side of town? Are we still the kingdom of God? Absolutely. Because our identity is not established by a place. Now, I know many of you may say, well, I I don't understand what the point is within this. Well, I think I can use a very common modern-day illustration, and then you'll really get the point. You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You can take a young man who's been reared in a rural environment, who's gotten up every morning very early to feed the livestock, to feed the animals, who's breathed that cool, fresh morning air and you put him in a city, he's still a country boy because the country's in him has become ingrained into his character. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, he's talking about how it becomes a part of your character. I I want to to impress that upon you. When Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, he's talking about something that's in us. But that's not all. It's something that also must be received. Listen to Mark 10 and verse 15. Assuredly, I say unto you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Notice two phrases here. Receives it and enters it. It's as if something is coming to us and you either accept it or you reject it. You know, it's, you, you choose what you want to do. 
if you accept it, then you can enter it. And talking about the church. In Matthew 23, verse 13, But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of God, heaven against yourself, or against men. For neither you go in yourselves, nor will you allow others who are entering to go in. He's talking about people who are not entering the kingdom, entering the church, because they've not received it, and they're preventing others from receiving it as well. Now, let me begin with that and move further to the declaration of the kingdom by the apostles and the evangelists. When they preached the message of the kingdom, it produced a visibly identifiable group of believers. When people heard the message and they received that message, then they became a group that you could look at and say, there they are. Listen to Acts 2, beginning with verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You see, there was a number, and they were receiving what the apostles were preaching. When they did that, they were baptized. When they were baptized, the Lord added them to this body, this kingdom called the church. Now, when you have the evangelist like Philip in Acts chapter 8 when they go out and preach they preach Christ but when one preaches Christ he also preaches the kingdom for just a moment focus with me on Acts chapter 8 we'll look at verse 5 verses 12 and 13 then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. As Luke continues to record when you get down to verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, continued with Philip and was amazed in seeing the miracles and the signs that were done. Here's what you observe. You preach Christ, verse 12, you also preach the kingdom. You get Acts 19, you go to Ephesus with Paul, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading things concerning the kingdom of God. 
Acts 28, when Paul's in Rome, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no one forbidding him. Let me ask you a question just now. Does the Bible teach the church is important? When I look at what Jesus preached, what John the Baptist preached, what the apostles preached, what the evangelists of the New Testament who were inspired preached, was the church important to them? Everywhere they went, they preached it. The Lord told them to preach it. So when one preaches the whole counsel of God, he preaches the church. In Acts 20, Paul called for the elders from Ephesus to meet with him. Likely he's not going to see them anymore, and it's a very sad occasion. But Paul also wants to present to them some parting words, some things that I'm not ever going to see you again, and so let me tell you some things that are very important. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You mean Jesus' blood purchased the church? Absolutely. Don't tell me it's not important. And they could know that they were members of that church, that body. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Verse 12, 27 of chapter 12, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Okay? I see the church declared by John, by Jesus, by the apostles, by the evangelist. Now, if they preach that, what did they preach that one must do? Let me talk to you first of all about the word gospel of the kingdom. That phrase repeatedly appears in the account of particularly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel literally means good news. Is it good news that Jesus has built his church? Absolutely. Listen to Matthew 11, verse 11. Assuredly, I say unto you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And let me ask you, of all the people in the Bible, other than our Lord, who would you put as the great ones? I'd say most of us would say Noah, Moses, probably one of the prophets, the Apostle Paul, maybe the Apostle Peter. But do you know who the Lord said was one of the greatest ever born on the face of this earth? 
John the Baptist. He was a true, loyal, faithful servant of God. Folks, imagine he is the one who baptized Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus says that the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Do you know why? John was never in the kingdom. Because it only started after John. Do you understand that those of us who are members of the body of Christ are more blessed than John the Baptist? If nothing else that I were to say this morning were to resonate with you and you were to ask the question, is the church important? If the Lord said that we're better off and we're more blessed than John the Baptist because we're a part of the kingdom, that ought to tell us it's extremely valuable to the Lord. But you see, when you read the gospel, some people think that the word good news just means it's all good news with no obligations, no demands on our side. But there are. If you want to turn to the book of Romans to chapter 10, really the context where we will begin will be about verse 13. Where Paul writes, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then he has some questions which drive you back to the source. Well, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they are sent? You see, calling, believed, hearing, preaching, Sending God, you get all the way back to God, and He's the one who did the sending. But then you get to verse 16, there's a very key phrase there. But they have not all, noted that phrase there, obeyed the gospel. You know, sometimes when we're trying to talk about people being converted, we'll use the phrase. Have they obeyed the gospel yet? That's a scriptural phrase. He goes on to say, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? When you have someone preach, such as I'm trying to do today, a person will either say, I believe that, I accept it, or they'll say, no, I don't think I'm going to accept that. You see, the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, has something that there's some requirements to that. One of the first requirements is not only that of believing, but the priority that we give it. Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a classic passage, and I'm going to get very close to the end. I'm going to ask that you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're introduced to a man by the name of Nicodemus. 
Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, which most likely meant that he was a, a part of the Sanhedrin, that Jewish court of 70 men. Because of that, he would be a ruler or a teacher in Israel. He descended to a level of respect and honor. But he came to the Lord by night and he let the Lord know, you've got to be a sent from God because no one can do the signs which you're doing except God be with him. Well, now Jesus is going to discuss with Nicodemus some of the demands of discipleship. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus came to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, being born again is a phrase that's thrown around a lot in our world today. Being born again involves being becoming a child of God by repenting of our sins and being baptized. That's what being born of water means. You see, this morning, as I've been trying to preach the kingdom, to preach the church, because that's what our Lord's taught, I've got to also stress what it takes to enter. And Jesus said a man has to be born of the water and the Spirit. The same gospel of the kingdom has to be preached today just like it was then because the church is the body of saved people. In Acts 2.47, he added the church daily those who were being saved. When you are saved from your sins, the Lord adds you to his body, the church. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23, and he is the Savior of the body. You know, you can obey that same gospel message today. We're not changing it. We're not adding anything to it. We're not taking anything away from it. It is that same gospel of the kingdom. The difference between what John and Jesus preached was it was something in the future. But from the apostles and this day forward, and from that day forward, now you can be a part of it. It was such a great privilege yesterday to see a woman confess that she believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and to be baptized for the remission of her sins. I've just got to believe that there's some here who've been thinking about that who've been thinking, I know I need to be baptized. When we sing this invitation song, why won't you come? Why won't you go ahead and make the decision that you know you need to make? It's your choice. And if you're a child of God who needs to return, why not come home? While together we stand and sing.